There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm KC. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. Pope and Young Club's been liking our stuff lately. Have you noticed know. that? I think it's because of old Bill or whatever his name is. <laughs> whatever his name is. His name's not Bill. I'm just it? a Bill up on Pope and Young Hill. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, y'all? We are uh, sitting in an RV. We started out podcasting in an RV. How about that? that? Yep. I Long used to cook ago. elk steaks and we'd podcast. We, uh, we started filming in 2016 together and... Uh, you shot an elk that year. Mm-hmm. We did a podcast after you shot the elk mm-hmm. that never aired. And at this point, I don't know if we had that file anywhere. Yeah, I don't so know where that's at. I don't know if oh, we we'll ever... Oh, that one that I did when I was on the road? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. The we audio were, from that was pretty bad. We decided we were going to do some practice podcasts. Well, we decided we were going to do some podcasts, and they ended up being practice podcasts because they were so bad. Mm-hmm. But we, uh, we're we back in an RV. We're not cooking elk steaks. Um we didn't kill an elk last year, but we've been talking a little bit about maybe trying to kill an elk this yeah, year. Yeah, we just might do it. We, we gotta just put might in. not. We got to put in and try to draw something, and that's the that's the. I tell you one part. thing that doesn't work after my personal experience is self filming a elk hunt. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna self film some hiking, and then you're gonna self film some elk butchering. That's how it's gonna go. Yeah. But uh, one thing you can self film. And one thing that a guy does really well, his name's Chris B., he self-films really well. And not only does he self-film, but he self-kills a lot of big deer. Self-kills. So, uh, <laughs> he does, dude. We yeah. have him on the podcast today. Chris has uh, become a bro for sure. Uh, we're talking about a lot of stuff off air that was He's way, a dear friend. I wish. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wish we could let y'all in on that, but it ain't happening. So sorry. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we did a lot of self-filming this year ourselves. Um, Tyler and I... Uh, Filmed a lot more than we thought we would self filming, yeah. um, and uh, both killed some pretty big deer self filming. Yep. I, di- I killed a Kansas buck self filming. You killed a Texas public buck self filming. Kansas public. I was deer. going for shock factor most most this year, and yeah. so like 
I was uh, making people think that I was going to kill it on film, and then the last second, making sure it wasn't in the frame. <laughs> Elbowing and stuff I, like I that. I like to elbow the camera. <laughs> Gosh, man. So y'all haven't seen that one yet. I, I self-filmed uh, killing the Kansas buck, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go ahead and spoil it, but... Uh, uh, I elbowed the camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you wear a uh, gorilla suit in the tree. <laughs> you don't even feel it, dude. I had no clue. I had to watch it later on before but I knew But there's what some happened. sick footage from that. I'm oh, excited yeah. for that to come out. It'll be a little while, I think, actually, yep. but that's going to be good. I actually had the deer at five yards in the frame, so like it wasn't that I didn't get good footage of him or nothing. Let me tell you something. Anytime a deer's closer than 15 yards, Oof. it, it, it is just... It's when it goes from cool to bad, yeah. really, honestly. Like, yeah. you're just like, please, please go away. You know, Dude, like, you're not sure if, like, anything is going on at all. Mm. Like, you have no clue, that, like, how tight your booty hole is. <laughs> the wrong lip smack's going to run him off, <laughs> yeah. you know? So you're just and like, it was quiet that day, man. I know. Um, yeah, there, that, it's, it's actually a cool video. I put, I had the, th- the whole thing put together, uh, but it'll probably be a little while before we release it, um, mm-hmm. considering. Our friend, Mr. Michael Presswood, so said that nobody cares about deer hunting right now. <laughs> and so we're going we're gonna to go ahead and uh, say you're probably right, man. We've been releasing some video stuff and all that. Um, make sure if you're listening and you haven't uh, heard of us before, you subscribe to the podcast and you subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's yeah. a way to see and hear more from us. Um, all so. the YouTube stuff will be linked down below in the, in the descriptions. You can go check out those hunts we were talking about. Some uh, some big deer hit the ground, so it's pretty fun stuff. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I actually got my my mount back from Illinois, Buck. Giant, giant. I've forgotten. Like, and it, it's crazy, man. Like, I think some people had either forgotten or just didn't quite realize or whatever. But that buck is huge. I mean, there wasn't a ton of footage of the deer. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> it was kind of a little bit of a speck in the corner before uh, he ran to a spot where he was out of the frame and got shot. Mm-hmm. And that was not self-film. No. So I'm not going to take the blame for that one. Yeah. I've taken the blame for a lot of them right now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that one that one wasn't my fault on the filming side. But uh, it's okay. Inadvertently, it was. It's true. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't too bad. Either way, Big Deer died, and that was cool. Yeah. So, uh, And I still haven't seen the mount yet, which I'm kind of sad about. You teased me saying you might put it in my house, and then it didn't I happen. would have, but um, I laid it in my parents' house, and they have a dog, and I was like, oh, I'm definitely not going to keep this thing on the floor in here. So mm-hmm. I moved it out to my dad's little hunting room where One-Eyed Jack is sitting. This is what Who's makes bigger? me. This is what makes me. Oh, this Illinois Buckies. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, what makes me sick is that One-Eyed Jack has never been in my house, and I killed that deer in 2015. If that tells you something, it tells you that I have not had a house mm-hmm. in a freaking long time. Long like, time. A long time. So, um, yeah, I'm sad about that. Mm-hmm. But I got one. We're building a right white crib this, right here. <laughs> it's a white crib that we're going to have uh, hopefully finished up sometime in the, hopefully early summer. Yeah. I, I started thinking about the things I have left to do, and, like, I don't have a ton of things left to do, really. It's just tedious to get them done in the right That's order. That's the thing, is tying up all the loose ends is what takes long. Yep. It's like, you know, I've built some houses, you're self-contracting this thing. It's like, golly, just lining people up is, yeah. you know, you know, once you get the, you feel like once you get it in the dry, you're, like, halfway done. It's like, no, you're a sixth of the way done yeah. when it what, comes to actual time. What stinks is, like, the uh, I'll like contact somebody. I'm like, yeah, go ahead and put me on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Three weeks later, you hadn't heard from them, and like, 
I would almost guarantee you they forgot to put you on the schedule. Mm-hmm. And so you hit them up, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, well, the weather's been bad, so I'm behind. Probably can get to you in, like, 10 days, maybe two weeks, something like that. Let's shoot for this day. And then it's, like, another four days after that, mm-hmm. usually. And so it ends up being, like, five weeks before something gets to you. You're like, Bro, these. my dad says it, but, like, a lot of these guys, they're not businessmen. Mm-mm. They are tradesmen. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's so, right. But uh, anyway, it's... At least our uh, taxidermist is prompt when he... He is. Yeah. He does a good job. He, uh, you know, of course, I shot that deer before the wave of deer comes That's in That's right. November. If you shoot a deer in October, you get it pretty quick. What happens if you shoot one in late November? It sounds like the book gets thick real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shot one in early November that ended up getting submitted with your deer because he went to the freezer in late November, mm-hmm. and uh, he's going to be... That means we can both probably pick those up at the same time. Yeah. That'll be fun. We could do a selfie vid. Yeah, we should we should document that, going and picking up both of those deer or whatever, yeah. and put it on YouTube or whatever. That'll be, be cool. kind of fun. Texters cool. pick up. Yeah. Yeah. TDP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should put that on the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The good old TDP. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, anyway, the... Uh, the podcast today is all about self-filming. And so, like KC said, Chris does it well. Um, I have done it well. I, on this, on the other hand, on in this year, I did not. Um, but, you know, some years are uh, better than others. And for me, I had a lot of big deer in my, in my sights this mm-hmm. year. And so it was hard for me to, you know, like, I've killed a lot of big deer, but... But and that's not like a humble brag or anything. I'm just saying I'm, I'm making a point here that like I've hunted Kansas a long time. Mm-hmm. I've shot some big deer there. But on the place that, that I've shot a lot of those deer, there's been some, some monsters mm-hmm. that I haven't really even had a chance to, to hunt because I've been kind of the low man on the totem pole mm-hmm. on that place. And so like I kind of take whatever's left over. Um, I usually have ended up in the past chasing a deer that's a big 135 inch eight point or whatever that's old late in the season or whatever it might be you know like some old deer i've shot some big shot big the oldest old deer. deer ever right I, oldest buck ever oldest buck that's ever the that's, right. that's the mm-hmm. truth um and so like i end up chasing those deer late in the season or whatever and and i've and they're they're big like you know i've got a six point that might make pope and young i mean he's 22 inches wide he's freaking cool he's huge you know like but um as far as like, you know, kind of world class or if you were to score or whatever, then I haven't shot just a ton of, you know, giant deer. And so I ended up, uh, you know, shot the buck in Illinois, which was probably, is definitely a top three buck for me, mm-hmm. maybe top two buck score wise. And then frame wise, top two buck for mm-hmm. sure. And then, um, is it your other big buck also an eight? Yeah, my that I got uh, the other one of the top two you're talking about is yeah. also an eight point. Yeah, he's a yeah. 154 inch eight point. Yeah, totally. I'm ready to get them beside each other because they like, look they're different frames. They are. Yeah, they are. I want to see like because that deer always when I looked at them all together that that, that other eight point was like I was so impressed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could not walk by them and go like that's probably the most impressive deer I have on the wall. That's an archery buck or a rifle buck. Rifle. Yep. So you have two big rifle bucks too, right? Uh, or is there a 10 point? one. So I thought there was a 10 point that was also a rifle. You got, but you have another big 10 point too. I right? have a, mm, my other big deer, biggest deer, the biggest deer I'd shot before this year, which it may still be, but like score wise is a, he's a mainframe 10, but he's got split G2s on both That's sides that are about. identical. 
And that was a bow buck. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he has a split brow, I think. So he's 13. But, um, yeah. So, like, then the other buck that I shot this year here, you know, in Texas, well, I shot t- two bucks in Texas, one on public that was, you know, one of my biggest bucks, um, you know, probably top five or something like that, top seven, uh, that, like, you know, for a public land buck in Texas is just Whoa. ridiculous. So it's like... It's one. It's one of those deals. And then the buck that I shot, you know, here more closer to home is like probably my biggest buck ever, or very close to it. And it's like, how do you, uh, how do you just forego the chance to shoot that deer because you have to get him in the frame? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I just had just had some uh, happenstance things go go uh, the other way and didn't get him in frame. But dude, quite I honestly, got a lot of cool pre roll of most of them. Like, and I twice this happened to me this year. But I would get to full draw, and then. It's like, you're pretty much where you are. Mm-hmm. And both times I try to knock the camera with a bow, you know, it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't work very good, yeah. you know. Like, but that's kind of the thing is like, uh, you know, you, you want to time it to where you're drawing when the deer's coming into the frame. That way he's center frame when you're shooting. But that's just not how real world works sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, Chris talks a lot about the details on this thing. But anyways, we probably should just let him tell us as opposed to us talking yeah, all about it. He'll have all the good ideas. Yeah. So um, anyways, we'll, we'll get Chris on here. If you guys, if you haven't, be sure and subscribe. We really, really appreciate that stuff. It helps us out a ton. So uh, let's see, uh, or probably can't see since it's a podcast, but we're going to hear what Chris has to say about self-filming. <laughs> all right. So now on the phone is Chris B. Chris, we've been talking a little bit before uh, we actually went live on this thing. And there's some cool stuff happening in your world right now. But uh you are, or you were, on a laptop recently. Is is the day to day life pretty uh, boring and interior right now? Uh, yeah, been been uh, kind of expanding, I guess, lately. Done with hunting season. Tournaments are starting Me to pop too. up. <laughs> yeah, I've eaten a lot of cookies in yeah. the last couple of months. Tacos, so. man, expansion for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're right, right. <laughs> So what uh, happens when yeah. you get all uh you know uh cuffed up and happy you know you go to expanding <laughs> in different ways. I, I guess i'm expanding in different ways oh, okay 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 gotcha business expansion um but uh mitchell need uh he did quite a bit of my filming last year um he's actually working full-time for me now awesome dude um i was waiting yeah, on that to so happen that, yeah so that will i mean it already has that we've been chugging away he's he just started like a week ago so um he's catching up on videos and i've been able to focus on some other stuff and that'll be awesome going forward this next year to have someone kind of like right hand man to to work on stuff and absolutely that's super super exciting yeah um yeah so just trying to trying to you know, keep the growth going and try to, you know, dot my I's and cross my T's and keep going. Yeah. I mean, where do you go from here? You know, I mean, you just released a, uh, you know, giant buck film and, uh, her video and, and, uh, I mean, do you still have uh, quite a bit of videos coming out from the rest of the season or what does that look like? Um, so the last part of the season wasn't super, super eventful. I ended up shooting, uh, one deer in December, I think. So I think we have two or three videos mm-hmm. that Mitch has been working on. Um, but yeah, not, not super exciting. We're kind of condensing it all down. I initially was envisioning like several episodes out of them, but 
we kind of just want to get them out there and get caught up and, yeah. and get moving on, moving on other stuff. Sure. Um, so. so just a couple of videos and then uh, moving into like the off season stuff. <laughs> yeah. How, which how I'm many, super uh, jacked about. Yeah. Um, how many, how many deer did you shoot this year or how many, uh, I guess bucks did you shoot this year? Um, see one, two, three, four, five, six. Wow. It's pretty good. Six or seven. How many were self filmed? Uh, one, two, three, three. It's cool, man. Yep. Man, you did a good job on the self-film stuff, and we definitely, that's kind of what we want to talk about in this episode a little bit. Um, but you mentioned that uh, this kind of spring season, and I guess the off-season essentially for most hunters at least, is coming up, and you're excited about it. What's uh, yeah. so exciting about it? Uh, well, for me, uh, I kind of never stop going mm-hmm. full blast because tournaments pick up, and uh, so the traveling never really stops. I actually was just down in Alabama this past weekend, did a 3D shoot, an ASA, and we got about one a month all throughout the summer. Um, and then I kind of switched my content over to more like fun and informative educational stuff mm-hmm. um, and unboxings. Uh, we're going to be rolling out a bunch of Lancaster archery unboxings. Um, in the coming months, we're going to try to shoot for like one or two a month. Cool. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. It's just never ending hunting season. I mean, for the outdoor community, I feel like hunting season is such a priority. And then the rest of the season is kind of laid back. But for me, it's, it's kind of, at least moving forward, hunting seasons kind of be like 20, 30% of content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you didn't get to, you got a lot of stuff uh, this time of year. Last year it was canceled, right? Because of all the coronavirus stuff. Yeah, I mean a lot of stuff this year was canceled. Um, They're about to cancel the, the element on YouTube if we put keep putting out dead deer videos. You know, <laughs> they've been getting on you about that. Uh, no, the, I mean uh, I've definitely had seen some censorship. Got here some and there. shadow bands going. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. mainly on Facebook. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think I've been affected by any of that. <laughs> I try to. I don't know. I think since my content is super diversified and it's not a hundred percent hunting, I kind of mm-hmm. don't get too targeted by that, but I need nah, to, uh, I need to become a professional archer, I guess. <laughs> you <laughs> for <can>. sure do. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely the opposite of that. I feel like at times. There you go. Yeah. You just do it, do some shooting in the backyard and film it. Yeah. seems like that's people love that stuff. Yeah. I could just put like, 300 yard shot in the title and it doesn't matter like where the arrow actually goes does hey, it yeah. just aim aim in the air and then measure the distance that's all i do <laughs> we will beat chris b in that, yeah, yeah. That's, it. <laughs> that's a good clickbait i like it yeah I yeah like that's it. right dude <laughs> it's actually super easy yeah it doesn't take much skill no i i mean i can tell watching your videos so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i uh we need to have you on we had you on a long time ago um back when you're like 12 or 13 i think um we had you yeah. talk talking about uh, how to shoot a bow and some of the thoughts behind that but we need to get you on to revisit some of that stuff um yeah I, for sure i mean because like kc's a good shot no doubt i'm at tar- i have no at clue targets <laughs> yeah. you know still yeah and when it yeah. comes to fur and you know 
live things, it's uh, you know, all bets are off. It's just I'm sure that you can speak to that more than about near anybody, just because you see a bunch of people. I mean, how many really in the professional world? How many guys are real crossovers where they you know are shooting or they hunt as much as they do target stuff? Um, it depends on what type of target stuff. Yeah, uh, the three D the three D guys dang near like 80 percent of them are pretty pretty avid hunters yeah um and a lot i mean a lot of the top guys are hunters um if you go on the strictly like target stuff more like indoor or world archery stuff that number that number drops a lot yeah um just because you're dealing with a lot of guys that just strictly shoot target um but yeah there's i mean for 3d there's a, there's a good amount that that crossover is there anything in the target world that inhibits you in the woods? Like something you do or that you practice or that you feel like just like, cause a lot of people would say that that's, that's something that's probably good for you overall. And I'm sure you'd say the same, but like, is there anything that you can think of? that's like, man, I practice that all year long and then I get in the woods and it, it's, it's, it's uh, helped me mess up a time or two or not shoot as good as I wanted to or something like that. Um, I don't think it's hindered me at all. Mm -hmm. Um, if anything, like shooting, shooting competitions, it just makes me way more confident with a hunting bow, um, all around, you know, cause when you shoot tournament archery in competitions, you, you know, you're doing all sorts of stuff to your equipment and learning and shooting and even just a volume of arrows that you practice Mm -hmm. helps when you switch over. Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, it's tremendously made me a better bow hunter because I shoot tournaments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite part of that whole season? Tournament season? Yeah. Um, I've made a lot of friends and relationships through archery. There's a big community around it. Kind of different than hunting. When you go hunting, you really don't. But mm-hmm. maybe besides like your tight knit group that you like go hunting with on the weekends. But when you go to these tournaments, like you, you see a lot of people and, and I've built some like really awesome friendships around it. Mm-hmm. So like, even though that's not hundred percent archery related, that's like a huge, um, huge plus side to me to stick with it. Sure. Um, and then just the competition, like I'm a pretty competitive person. Um, so that I just like to do that, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so that to get that drive and that feeling, a little bit of adrenaline pumping through the veins is uh, is always awesome. Um, and then I just like shooting, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's I, there's not the only aspect I don't like of it is the constant travel. And unless you're winning, it's just a money sucker. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I can know. imagine being like rodeo or bass fishing and stuff. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's no different. So uh, we. Uh, we don't know a ton of guys in that world, but uh, we know old Rod White a little bit. Have you ever gone head to head against that guy? Yeah, uh, Rod. I was a couple targets down from him at this last ASA. Yeah, can you can you yeah. outshoot Rod? Can you beat him? Uh, Rod's really good. <laughs> I knew um, you would give me a straight answer on that. <laughs> it's you can't give a straight answer on that because it's so day dependent or yeah. whatever. Like if we looked at the scores, I'm sure there's plenty of days where rod shot a higher score than me and there's plenty of days where vice versa yeah. um i do know uh, i think he was a couple targets down for me 
after day one of the ASA. So I think I might have shot like eight up and he might have shot like six up. Mm-hmm. But good. I don't know. I who shot the same. It's better than when you say those numbers. So <laughs> sounds good to me. <laughs> In that instance, I might have shot like two points better than Rod. But gotcha. if I had to guess, I think he shot way better day two than I did. No, yeah. Rod's Rod's a really good shot. And he went to the Olympics and everything yeah. for Reaker. Yeah. It's a killer too, man. He he kills some big deer too. Oh, yeah, he shoots giant deer. Yeah, yeah. Helps to live yeah. in Iowa, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everybody in Iowa does, I think. It's, it's just crazy. If you live in Iowa and you deer hunt, you pretty much, I would consider that you know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, That's it's funny you brought that up. I uh, I just moved to Iowa. Oh, No way. Are you goodness. serious? <laughs> yeah. Dang, dude. Dang, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, yeah. Smart hey, I figured after after my Kansas buck, I can't go downhill. Yeah, no, you could do that real easily in Michigan, probably, huh? Yeah, <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, yeah wait, no, I did. <laughs> you're kidding about which? Did you part played exactly? so many pranks I'm since we got on the phone the with you. Downhill part. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, but you did I, move to I Iowa. Actually, I actually did move to Iowa. Oh, yeah. cool. Hey, man. Um. I'll have to figure out what part later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. KC uh, can draw an Iowa tag next year. Yeah. Oh, dang. I'm thinking yeah. about drawing this this year. Yeah. Um, if, I don't know. Yeah, I got a pretty good talk shot. about that later. Yeah, we yeah. will. Yeah, dude. That's awesome, man. So when do you get your residency? Uh, it takes a few months, so we'll be. I'll be good. Perfect. Um, you know, come fall time, so. Good. Man, that's going to make... Uh, me very jealous of you in the future. <laughs> That's <laughs> cool, so man. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm uh, this first year. It's definitely going to be uh, a good test run to, to figure out. You know, because I'm starting from gr- from ground zero again, essentially. Well, so. what's sick is that you get to like hunt the whole state when you move there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's yep. what's cool, man. What's then, also cool is that. Uh, uh, you know, you got a pretty serious um, other half before you move oh, to yeah. Iowa. Because if you move to Iowa before you uh, are serious with somebody, you're gonna have a hard time <laughs> finding know. somebody. Well, that's, that's the thing. Like I, besides some family, you know, which obviously was wasn't fun. But uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of ties. Self-employed yeah. can be wherever, and figured might as well do it now or. I might regret it some sometime down the road. Yeah, so. that's right. It's just you and the Amish girls down there. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> right. if you don't, you know. <laughs> deer. I, I hear there's a 190 behind every big old tree down mm-hmm. there. I think so. So. Yep. so you should be set. There's also a I pair of right. hand-knitted blue jeans. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all good, man. I'm uh, definitely... Definitely got to figure out where you live so that I can <laughs> come hunting close by whenever I draw a tag hey, again. That's fine. I got a couple of years. Fine. I'm not not far away. So well, I'm get that's depends good. on point creep, I guess. Who knows what's going to happen there? But um, yeah, I don't know. I heard some guys it was taking five years now to get into. Yeah, it took me five. Unit. It took me five in 2019 really? to draw. Yep. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So not I'd cool. Be getting up in that five and six years, which is absolutely crazy. But hey, if it keeps the hunting good. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. So it makes it Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. For sure. It's the last, the last state that's pure, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's crazy. You go, uh, you know, you just cross the border south, and uh, oh yeah, you know, I mean, you can just tell quality changes right away. Same genetics, you know. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's nuts. Yep. yep. That's it is. Well, that's awesome, dude. It's good news. I mean. And I, I think, uh, I don't know what uh, next year looks like for you as far as self-filming and, and all that, but I know this year you did a good job of it, man. Like, really do uh, admire what you were able to do this year, man. You, you did some really 
um, you had some really great frame jobs on some of these bucks and you did a great job. You always do a good job telling the story, keeping people involved. Um, I think every time you are on the podcast, I say something about how I enjoy your YouTube channel as much as anybody else's, but, um, you're yeah, I appreciate that. sure. Yeah. Um, it's the truth, man. But, um, you're, you know, I think a lot, we get a lot of questions cause we do a similar thing. We, Casey and I are self filming a lot. Uh, we like to spend time in the tree together, but you know, if we have two tags, it's kind of not super efficient. I mean, he knows the same thing, you know, <clears throat> him and Caitlin split up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever y'all were in, in Kansas, y'all yeah. were two different trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what you kind of got to do sometimes. And so, um, a lot of guys may or may not be trying to build a brand or, or do something on YouTube, but they may be doing it for themselves, their legacy for their kids or whatever it might be. But, uh, we right. get a lot of questions about, <clears throat> um, self-filming camera gear and all these other things. So we're going to kind of go through that a little bit. But I, I, like the first thing I would like to kind of hear from you about is like when you go to a tree and you're going to set up and self-film, what does that setup look like typically? Like as far as like scouting out a perfect tree or no, like camera arm set up? Yeah, and camera arm. Like how are, you, how are you getting all the camera gear into the tree and then uh, setting it up and what's advantageous for you? What side of the body? what level, you know, all these different things. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so most of the time I try to do the same exact thing, regardless of tree or situation, just to streamline self-filming efficient self-filming is all about streamline. So you're doing it over and over and over again, the same exact way. You don't want to, you don't want to try to do something different or, you know, try to figure it out every time. Um, so I run, I run a muddy, I think it's called the muddy, muddy hunter arm. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if they make it anymore, but it's like the beefiest arm that muddy made. And I've gone through a couple of them, a couple of cheaper ones and flimsier ones. And I always try to shoot for that, like that high production quality. So this one, you can, you can dang near hang off the end of it and it's not moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I just carry that in my backpack Um, I normally carry my camera on a little carabiner clip and clip it to the front drawstring of my backpack. Um, and actually a lot of times when I'm filming, like just like the woods or my feet, it's always clipped in with Mm -hmm. the carabiner clip. What, what part Um, of the camera are you clipping that thing to? I tie a little piece of paracord around the lens. Yep. Okay. Like the base of the lens, or if you have a cage on your camera, tie a piece of paracord or something. Uh, kind of, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's not the best way to do it. There's a bunch of cool, like cotton carrier, different carrier things you can put on your backpack. Um, but that's just a, again, another extra step. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, I do that and I, I climb up in the tree with that hooked on to me majority of the time. Um, doesn't get in the way too much. And, um, so if I'm hunting, let's say if I'm hunting out of like ladder stands in Michigan, my wooden ladder stands, I'll just climb up carrying my bow and my backpack and everything. Hang my bow up, swing around my backpack, set it on the seat. And the very first thing, it, well, I clip in safety harness, but then the ne- very first thing I do is set up my camera arm. Um, and I always put it, if I'm sitting down on a tree stand, I always put it on my right side, mm-hmm. nearly as close to my hip as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're sitting, your elbow almost can like rest on it like an armchair. Um, so that's what I do. I keep it super tight. And what that does is if I always try to shoot sitting down, if I'm in a ladder stand, 
Um, so it keeps my entire left side open. Mm-hmm. So the camera arms on the right side and it's about right at chin level, like the LCD screen. So I can swing all right there. It's like no problem. Um, so when that's all set up, depends on if I have a second angle or not second angles you can get creative with. I don't really have a hundred percent go to, but I've been trying to rock the 360 GoPro clipped onto something. Um, and I'll just press record on that and let it run and frame it up and later. And that works really good. GoPros are great second angles. Um, I messed around with a second DSLR, uh, like on my bow hook or something. And that's just, if you can do it, it's, it's better if you have a camera guy for mm-hmm. doing that. If you're running solo, I find that a, a super easy GoPro, you just press record once and forget about it mm-hmm. is, uh, is a better way to go. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much my setup, um, for like a camera arm setup wise, right on my right hip. If I'm sitting down camera sits like right in my lap the entire time. So I don't have to like reach for it or anything. And I feel like, um, that has worked best for me. I'm getting kills on film, um, because I always know how the camera is going to react and I can just turn it on real quick and, and get it on it. Um, I always see guys like try to stand up and then now the camera's there or the camera's weird or wacky. Um, actually on my Kansas buck, it was such a twisted up tree. My camera was in a wacky spot and I, uh, bless you. And I, uh, <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> sorry, I took the headphones off of everything. And, tried to hide <laughs> that and, uh, and I almost did get my Kansas buck on film because it kept going out of level Oh, mm. because it was such a crappy tree that yeah. I was in. Do you um, uh, do you change that setup for uh, like your hanging hunt saddle style thing? Are you putting the camera yeah, in the same so spot? That's what I was going to go uh, through next. So saddle, I still haven't perfected it. It's tough. Um, yeah, I think I could perfect it if I went with a different camera arm, like a carbon fourth arrow, super light, small. Um, but then I'd probably have to change my camera setup because it'd be too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my current setup, what I've been doing is putting it actually on my left side of the tree. So kind of like my shooting side, um, and just kind of making that work because I've noticed that I try to shoot sitting down and my optimum shots are like just left of the camera or like straight behind me. Mm -hmm. Um, imagining that deer are going to like come from in front of me and walk past me. So that's worked out pretty decent. Um, and that's what my Kansas buck setup was. And I mean, that worked, but yeah, I still have, I need to mess around with that more. I don't feel like that might, that might not be my final setup, Yeah. but if I set the camera arm up on the right side of me, then I got to deal with the bridge in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like if you, your microphone constantly gets hit on the bridge or if you're <laughs> Every kneeling time, down, <laughs> yeah. Or if you're kneeling down, and you don't want to stand up like I shoot kneeling down most of the time. Yeah. Then the camera, then the camera's stuck on the right side. Mm-hmm. So like you, I, I force, I, I have to put it on the left side. Yeah. I think that's, that's how I hunted with it. Most of the time I'm still fiddling around the same thing, you know, left side. Yeah. That's how I, the Kansas buck I shot, same thing. But, uh, yeah, he pushed but it. eliminates quick. a shot. It's eliminates a shot for you putting the camera there. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. I, yeah. 
like if he took another step, I would have been shooting my LCD screen off. You know what I mean? Like it was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he came in left or right. Yeah. You know, it's getting, there's, that's just one of the things you run into with self filming. You're just going to have some problematic situations. Yeah. But yeah, that is, you're exactly right. It's about swinging that thing around. You know, it's almost like if we could find, you know, for a saddle guy in particular, you're usually not hanging in a giant tree just because they don't work great for it, you know? So, right. you know, like if you had just a single jointed camera arm, that each of the, you know, each of the parts were like eight inches long or whatever, you know, it might work a little bit better as opposed to, right. you know, you just end up with a little bit too much there sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know what, the, and that's what I'm going to spend some time this summer and really fine tune, probably make some videos on like what I end up doing. Yeah. Um, but like for a tree stand, when you're sitting down, that is the best system I found mm-hmm. is the setup I, I went over. And that's, that's pretty, that's pretty freaking bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's also, so just make note that Chris is a right-hander and we're right-handers. So like mm-hmm. if you, yeah. uh, so left hand vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's how we do it too. We, we tend to put waist level, you know, on the right side as much as we can. And, yeah. um, you mentioned that uh, your camera setup might be kind of too heavy for some certain camera arms. Is what? Yeah. Kind of run through what your what your camera is that you're running. Uh, so I did a Sony A7 III uh, with a battery grip. Um, I messed around a lot with mics. Uh, I had a K3M <laughs> till I broke it, mm. and then I had a uh, a regular like Rode uh, Mike mini until I broke it. And then I had the, um, the new Sony digital one and I haven't broke that one yet. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that one could be an easy one to break though. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. I'm dude, surprised. Man, it's so stiff. What else? Yeah, we helped um, God, Chris in Kansas, but he helped introduce us to yeah, the mic. So we're was, pretty even. There right? you go. Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> I was filming in Kansas. I actually had COVID at the time. and didn't know it. Um, I was, I was so, filming, um, a, uh, one of my hunts or whatever. And I posted like, all this is a thing with Sony cameras, or I guess the A series. But apparently, their head or their input jack for the high, the microphone uh, tends to get uh, short out and get disconnected yeah. and not work. And so, um, I posted a, a picture to Instagram on my story or something where it was like a picture of my setup that night. And basically, I was running. I still had like the mic in the hot shoe uh, mount, but I had that going into like a zoom H one recorder, like a little pocket yeah. recorder. And Chris was like, I did the exact same thing. Yep. Uh, you messaged me and I was like, okay, well, what are you doing now? <laughs> Cause I'm, yeah. uh, and so we ended up buying one, I think on the, way, the way home, home. from that yeah. trip. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I like yes, it. It does, it it's I like it. Great like audio. It yeah. It does mm-hmm. a good job. It's kind of, kind of expensive, but probably not as expensive as that other mic you had. What was the K, um, the uh, K3M. K3M. Yeah. Yeah. That one's like, 900 bucks i think yeah um and that one that one the other one is like what 250 or something uh, yeah it's 250 is that right it is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but the so. k3m we got that so we could run a boom and a mic like a lab mic because mm-hmm. it has two two audio ports <laughs> yeah so but that that's under warranty i just haven't sent it back yet yeah I got that's you. part of the problem is it you know uh when you're in content production you know, when oh, are you yeah. going to have time to send stuff back to get fixed? You yeah. Know? Oh but, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there has been multiple times where, well, freaking when we were on Western tour, we bought the K three M in Colorado because we <laughs> broke our other one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've They're, had lens overnighted that I broke on out 
you know, on some random farm, we've sent it, we've sent a lens to a random farmer that someone knew because we needed an address when we were out. <laughs> it was in Wyoming. That's yeah. funny. Dude. That's cool, man. So, oh yeah. Um, we've done just about everything. Okay. So these are, these are setups for, uh, fairly professional, you know, people, I guess. But, uh, yeah. And I'm guess we're mainly talking about you cause we're not super professional. But, um, the, uh, the, <laughs> the self- on air we are, you know, <laughs> yeah, we try to, we yeah, try to make everybody believe it, but we're not, uh, no. So the, there's a lot of people that are obviously thinking right now, like I'm definitely not buying a $900 bike. Okay. Like they're looking yeah, like yeah, yeah. 900 bucks on a camera is too much. You yeah. Know, $900 whatever, sometimes. So self filming package is what they're going for. Like, I'm sure you get the question. And I don't know, you know, if you even think about this in, at all, if it's worth your time to answer, but like, you know, like what is a, do you have any thoughts for people who might be trying to get into it? Just like I said, for that legacy factor or whatever, they just want to have stuff to go back and watch at the end of the year, but they, yeah, they're not looking sure. to, to buy a Sony a seven three or something like that. Yeah. So I always say like a, a great, um, like entry, you know, barrier of entry, how, how low can it go? Freaking use your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have a, if you, I was just, we actually just did a podcast yesterday and we talked about just this like a little bit, but if you have a, a iPhone 11 or an iPhone 12, you have better quality than like many basic level DSLRs. Mm-hmm. So like, if you, if you just want to like mess around and post the videos and stuff, just like, Flip your phone, landscape, find a $50, $40 camera arm on Amazon that you can screw into a tree or clamp onto a tree and just call it a day. Yeah. Like, there are so... Have you guys ever heard of Whistling Diesel? Uh, that name sounds familiar. I think so. He's like the newest, uh, like, trending redneck on YouTube that has <laughs> 2 million subscribers now. <laughs> he, like, he just does crazy stuff to, like, trucks and whatever. But anyways... Uh-huh. He all he films is on a freaking phone. Yeah, yeah, yep. A lot He's of people are doing million, that, man. Two million subscribers. I follow a gardener so, out of like Carolina that does like he's got you know seventy, eighty thousand subs or whatever, and he films everything on a phone in his yard. It's like, dude, talk about oh, yeah. low entry of barrier or barrier of entry, you know? So yeah, so there, there's literally like no, there's no freaking excuses. Like everyone has a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got a camera with Zoom already in their pocket like that's that's what you start with mm-hmm. get a kill on film film some stuff and then if you like it if you think it's going to happen then uh, like a handy cam spend 800 bucks mm-hmm. all internal zoom internal audio um there's so many different levels of handy cams yeah uh 4k right off the bat plug and play that's probably my best advice yeah and then from there like you're probably more in depth in that if you continue to try to up your production that you know you start researching and figuring out and then that's a huge wormhole but (laughs) my 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 best advice that's how i started Mm -hmm. i used a like a samsung stupid phone when i was like 15 16 (laughs) and uh that's how i started filming i have this uh like a 10 inch little screw into the tree clamp on your phone and just point it, you know, Yep. that's all you had. Yeah. Um, it's cool, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Like I had a guy at church the other day ask me, he was like, man, I need to talk to you after this about like some camera stuff. I'm going to Africa on a mission trip and want to do some interviews over there. And I, I wanted to be like, 
dude, your phone. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like I know you want a camera. Pocket. What's it look like? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like if you have an iPhone 10, you're better than a lot of cameras out there that you could buy for, you know, several hundred bucks yeah. or whatever. And also, I mean, yeah. this doesn't have a lot to do with self-filming, but like people are probably, if you're doing interviews and stuff, a lot more comfortable talking to a phone than when you stick a yeah. camera in their face because yeah, people oh, like no doubt yeah even the yeah. coolest cats you know they clam up real hard oh, if they're not used to a camera you know? yeah for, for sure man yeah. um so it's just when it when it comes down to it it's just freaking excuses like people try to make excuses and think they need better equipment before they can do anything mm-hmm. oh yeah but if they're actually going to do something if they want to do it and they have the tools you know that's all that's all they need yeah mm-hmm. so um so you know, kind of on that note about people doing it on their own, you know, you know, like we, uh, all grew up watching outdoor TV. So we didn't, nobody had yeah. a clue how to tell a story pretty much is what I'm trying to say. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, intro and, kill shot done. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know, what do you call it? You know, box store rock music. Right. So yeah. throw yeah. that in there, but like, uh, if you want to up your production value, instead of spending money on a, on a you know nicer camera or whatever a lot of it is just making sure you document stuff right do you have like a checklist of like what you try to get done every time you head to the tree as far as you know um storytelling Um, or do you just kind of come by naturally i mean i've been self-filming for a long time like every single i until like this year i have filmed every single hunt i've ever been on since i was like 15 Mm -hmm. so that's a that's a lot of hunts um so over that time you learn as you edit and you're like, I should have done this. I should have done that. I need to do this next time, blah, blah, blah. So now it's just all kind of second nature, mm-hmm. but, um, a good, a good thought process to go over it is document what's going on rather than trying to stage stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like if you're, if you're driving to your property, just like, just don't do anything different Just start filming what you're doing. And then you get out of the truck, you just film what you do. And then you're walking to the stand, just film you walking to the stand. And then get in the stand, just film you walking, getting into the stand. Mm-hmm. And now you're in the stand. Just <laughs> like it's not rock like to me, it's not rock science. You literally just document exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every time you do something different, just film it. Yeah. Transition shots. Yeah. 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 It's all about and that's what storytelling is. It's like you're driving and then all of a sudden you're in the tree. You just miss a giant section of the storytelling, mm-hmm. you know? So what's real cool if, is when uh, you have a camera guy following you and you still, still miss that miss giant that. section. <laughs> Cause he fell asleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother wormhole in a sense. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. Mitchell never does that. Does he? Uh, Mitch is really good. There you yeah, go. Um, good. Yeah. Good. He's, it doesn't, doesn't take much to get stuff, get stuff rocking. Um, but yeah i mean document document verse trying too hard you know mm-hmm. when, when you have the when you have the document mindset of just whatever happens you just film whatever's happening it's it's way easier to tackle that mm-hmm. rather than okay I, I got i gotta like do something different to film it yeah mm-hmm. you know you we've just been do having, exactly what you're trying to do we've been having some you know newer guys not newer like as far as like into the camera world per se but just guys new to us or whatever kind of hang out with us some more and follow us around a little bit and yeah. uh you know i come at this from the hunter standpoint i haven't been filming near as long as tyler has but uh my kind of uh i guess solution to this problem is just 
film a bunch. Get a big SD card and roll, mm-hmm. you know, because that's like, that's yeah. how you're going to make sure you get the stuff, you know, like, um, the, we don't live in the world where you have to develop film anymore. So as long as you got enough gigs on that card, man, you can, you know, you can just format right. a card, you know, space if you got too much crap space on there. Is free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's kind of always my solution is just, you know, a guy's like, well, I don't, you know, what, what, what do you want? It's like, man, just film a bunch today and just, we'll, you know, if you film aren't filming enough, we'll tell you if you, you know, if we think you can cut back on some stuff, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But, right. That's like, to me, like there is a little bit of an aspect of like having to go through that footage, um, that <laughs> you definitely don't like, but, uh, like in our, in our instance, you know, KC and I have a, have a dynamic and we discuss almost everything we do. And so, like, where a lone wolf type of guy might just have that internal discussion with himself. We, we're, we you know, playing out all the variables together or whatever. Yeah. So, like, it does uh, make better footage for us to, to roll. But, like, you know, like... You can also a, get 20 minutes of dialogue in a 21-minute section, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, sure. the, but the lone wolf guy, you know, needs to make sure that he's, uh, like you said, every time something is changing, you get a little clip of it just to show that something's happening, you know. And it doesn't take much, yeah, really. Sure. I mean, I always try to shoot for, like, three to five seconds of stable stable footage in that scene you know what i mean whatever it is um yeah and that's the mm-hmm. key is like once you when you turn the camera on when you press the record button the camera's going to shake a little bit and when you go to reach for it at the end it's going to shake a little bit so you need to like hold still for about five seconds oh, yeah. you know or whatever yeah so and i feel like that a lot of that stuff is trial and error like mm-hmm. when you when you start doing it and then you start piecing it together and that's a big thing too is all the editing stuff yeah when people are scared about that but the majority of people you know, have some sort of Apple product, Mac or Windows product, and they all come standard with a very entry level video editor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And that's how I started, you know, the free editor that comes on a laptop or a phone and you just, you just start working at it. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's only scary until you you figure it out. Yep. Yep. That's right, man. Well, let's talk about a game time, man. I mean, that's the, uh, you know, we talk about the storytelling and all that kind of stuff, but really, the I guess the essence of the whole thing is getting the shot on film, right? And uh, mm-hmm. it's what we all struggle with because when you're self-filming, uh, almost never is the film the priority over actually shooting the animal, <laughs> right? I mean, like, I guess, right. if anything, it becomes the equal when you're really trying to do this thing. But, like, you want to get good footage of, of the kill, you know? Do, do you have any you right. know, tips for for the you know that magic you know imagine your your Kansas buck from this year you know you see mm-hmm. you saw him at like what like 200 yards or something like that and you kind of were getting prepped or whatever like what's that thought process go how's that go for you know getting him on film um i think it definitely uh your success rate stems from how prepared you are on your setup like it, if, if, if your setup's perfect, you should, you should be able to get it on film. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're, if you're prepared, if your bow is ready, your release is ready, your recording, everything's good. You just follow, like I just follow the deer as much as I can. Like every now and again, like you can tell, I don't pay attention to the camera to make sure I'm, I'm like figuring out what's going on. And then I pick the camera back up. Um, and this is, where I think a lot of my archery and shooting experience helps. Um, because I can shoot in all sorts of different situations, fast, slow, you know, changing ranges. I just, 
have just a little bit more experience with that. So I can wait until like the last dang near second where I'm like, okay, I got to forget about the camera. You get a position, you put it a little bit ahead of the deer. You just punch out wide and just swing over and get them is most of the time what I do. Um, and cameras these days with a 4k, mm-hmm. you can see it, you know, um, which is what I did on all of the cell film stuff I did this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you just, you just wait until the last possible second. You follow the deer in. You stay calm. The, the worst thing you do is panic. Like, obviously, you got buck fever going on. You're now thinking about shooting the deer twice, once with the bow, once with the camera. So you're just you're double duty. So you just got to get your mind clear, and it really is just a, a that 10 seconds. You just got to think clear in those 10 seconds, and every little move is what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. Like, it's strictly a performance thing. And you just gotta, you just gotta be able to, to do it in a sense. Like obviously some things are out of your control and it doesn't work. And, um, but yeah, luckily in all of my self filming, I have never missed a shot on film. Golly. And I wow. never shot a, I never shot a deer out of frame. Um, Shot all my deer out of frame. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling, like, like I said, I even had camera guys. I was shooting them out of frame on them dudes. Yeah, that was not. uh, Can you? You just made me feel real bad about myself. uh, For (laughs) for people who might not know, explain why 4K. Like why that's a thing. Uh, 4K is important because you can crop in a little bit and it can stay HD. Yeah, yeah, so you're talking about the difference but, between 1080 and, and 4K resolution. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all all new iPhones are 4K, all new Hanekin. Pretty much everything's 4K. Yeah, that's new. That's coming out. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you, uh, that's not too foreign. Do you uh, always just you know go all the way out to like 24 or whatever on Zoom and just shoot, or you is like there a magic number that you're uh, trying to keep it at whenever you you know got an animal close? It's all situational. I mean. I'm trying to think. I think even sometimes I've been, I've been punched in if they're feeding or mm-hmm. whatever. It, it's just so just situational. Yeah. Um, but it, the, the worst thing to do is stay tight and then he moves a little bit and then you miss them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to do that pretty bad. Like I, I like really good footage, you know, so I, I yeah. take a lot of tight stuff of deer. And the, the thing is though, when you're, when you're self filming and I, I punch out like that, yeah. well now you see a little bit of me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a totally different perspective too. You see my tip of my arrow, my bow, draw back, you yeah. see the full flight of the arrow. Mm-hmm. So even though it's not tight on the deer, it gives a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool for sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things I, I that know. like it's a uh, beneficial running like that mirrorless platform or whatever, as opposed to a, a handy cam camcorder. Like, um, yeah. I run, whenever I'm cell filming a lot of times, especially this year, whenever our, uh, a seven three just duked out on us real bad, <laughs> I ran an AX 100, which is, you know, uh, kind of a, uh, middle of the road, like camcorder style. And, um, mm-hmm. you, it's slow to zoom in or out, you know, because it's, it's digital right. pretty much. Whereas like if you're running an a seven three with a lens on it, like, you know, you can go from two forty to 24 or whatever it is like in no time, you know? So it's, yeah, a, it's kind problem. of a the problem with the lens that I have is um, if you're holding your bow in one hand, you got to awkwardly grab the lens mm-hmm. with your other hand. And if you have a release in your hand, yeah, I tend to clank it all around the camera. Mm-hmm. So I got to make sure I don't do that. And then if I zoom, then I got to swing back around and grab the, uh, like the gel head handle and then get it back on. So having a handy cam, 
zoom type camcorder and then buying the little zoom accessory you can put on the handle. Yeah. It would be so much easier. Yeah, like I know sure. I would love that, but uh, for me, it, you lose out on a little bit of quality switching over to a camera like that. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, mm, I it's think, all hard. No matter what you have, it's all hard. Yeah. So there's nothing easy what, about whatever, stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just, you make it work. You get familiar with whatever you have and you just make it work. You know, Chris, when I shot my biggest deer ever this year, um, I, I did something that I was surprised that you didn't do um, on your biggest deer ever this year, which was I I, um, I framed him up, but his horns are cut off in the frame, so oh. you can't you can only see his body. Dude, we all because, shot our biggest deer this year. How about that? <laughs> hey, that's Good pretty year, cool, man. Hey, yeah. yeah, cheers. Yeah, <laughs> cheers dude. to that. That's man. awesome. Clink clink. So if you like big bucks. And we talked about how all three of us shot our biggest bucks ever. You can go watch Chris's on YouTube. It's so sick. It just is. I I can't I can't tell you anything about it. You gotta go watch it. But yeah. while you're there, be sure and subscribe to our channel as well, uh, so you can see some of our biggest bucks that we've ever shot as well. I mean, uh, mine from Kansas is on this year, which is there. so sick. Dude, I can't it's, even tell you. It's pretty sick. It's like oh, it's such a I good watch video. It pretty often, and then you know Tyler's giant Illinois bucks on there as well. So there's a lot of good big bucks on YouTube. Uh, check out Chris's. Uh, how much did Chris's score? We didn't ever talk about one eighty-seven or so something like that. High one eighties, yeah, just freaking giant. And then um, uh, we haven't got to score any of our deer yet because we just think they're giants. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, go check those out on YouTube, guys. We really appreciate it for sure. So, um, like with all this said, like there's there's obviously a system and like a format that you have kind of uh, ingrained and that you you uh, whether or not you think about it, like it's something that you do because it's worked for you. Um, does like, how do you, how do you keep from getting stale? Like, how do you keep creative and stay creative within all this? Um, well, I really enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I feel like that keeps the drive going a lot. Um, this year, I mean, last year, last year I fought with it a little bit, but this year I definitely fought with a little bit more, um, about just tying in, uh, the business side of things with hunting, mm-hmm. uh, because it's just, it's just the, the bad part about it, I guess. I mean, it's all good, but the bad, if there is any bad part about it is that unfortunately shooting deer and filming drives the business aspect of things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a different pressure behind that, um, than just, you know, do, 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 just going out and hunting, you know, relaxing and hunting. Um, so with that being said, that definitely keeps the drive going, trying to achieve a goal, you know, get something on film, knowing that, you know, that's an end goal that I'm going for. Um, and just always mixing it up. Like I'm always trying to do better. Every video is always trying to do better and learn something from it. And, and like on the creative aspect side of things, editing is a big creative part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like editing and now Mitch is editing and he's really, really good. And we'll work together on stuff, you know, hunting videos going forward. Um, so I don't know for me, it's just a constant growth and learning. Um, you know, I look at old hunting videos and new hunting videos, and at least I think the new ones production wise and creativity wise are, a step up from the year prior. And so, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of motivations because since 
it is mixed in with, with business and, and everything. Yeah. I think you're right, so. man. Like that passion to do it, um, that you have is something that I, I have as well. And like that, um, it's the, it all, it all does mix with, with like, um, the demand of, of the quote unquote industry, I guess right now, you know, it's like you, uh, it would be really awesome if we could all make two hour films where we just, our whole season is in one two hour episode and we, we show like the changing seasons throughout. Just call the day. Yeah. And, just, and like, <laughs> yeah. and then you, you make a, a year salary from doing that. Right. You know, like, but yeah. that just, it's not, it's not what happens. You can't do that really, you know? And so like, yeah, it's frustrating a little bit um, because it does suck your creativity a little bit, but um, just having that passion is something that definitely, um, because you'll think about it throughout the day. It's something you enjoy doing. You're going to think about it throughout the day. And really, you know, creative things come from deep thought. They don't come from, they don't usually come from just scrolling your phone mindlessly, you know? Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's been super interesting, especially for me, just past couple of years, how everything's gone and kind of, I don't know, this year, this year was super awesome and super bad <laughs> at the same time, you know, like I think it was for everyone, just everything that happened and it kind of changed perspectives and changed ways people think about things and how gentle life is and, mm. and, uh, what really matters and what really doesn't and, uh, shooting a big deer definitely doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, makes us feel good for sure. Yep. Um, but in the end, you know, it really doesn't matter. Sure. So as long as you, you always go down to, you know, the foundation and the roots and, and we're getting deep here. Like we're, we're trying to, we're trying to talk about like getting people into filming and this is getting real deep, but <laughs> that's good. Um, dude. I, I, well, I think, I think, uh, a lot of people try, they, they look at, you know, people, whatever that are, that are working. I hate the word like outdoor industry and, yep. and influencers or whatever. I don't, I don't believe in any of that, but that's just the way it is. But people want to get to that point and they mm-hmm. think they have to do something to get to that point, but it's not going to work unless you're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's something that clicks and connect. You can't buy your way in to doing it. You can't, you just can't force it. And there are some people in the industry that are really trying to force it right now. <laughs> Yeah. I'm super, super interested on, on how that's all going to play out down the road. Yeah. Um, and you know, sure, sure. There's some passion, but there's definitely a lot of force and I don't know if you don't, if there's, if there's passion behind it, you're passionate about making, making videos and, and hunting and doing things for the right reason. You know, there's no reason why it shouldn't work. Right. Yeah. So, and especially with the, the barrier of entry so low with YouTube, I mean, if you just, just alone, if you make YouTube videos and get a huge following, like you can, without sponsors, without nothing, you can make a full-time job out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's where the industry is going to start to go is creators, content creators, YouTubers, or whatever, aren't going to be dependent on outside sources. They're going to be able to be a soul standing, you know, individual being able to do it full time, sure. making content, sharing hunting, sharing outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. That's, uh, definitely something we, we have been, uh, you know, discussing and it's something that, uh, 
nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen in the next few years, but um, we definitely have our thoughts about what might and might not happen. And um, I think with that, you know, it does uh, it does free you up to try new things, you know, and and try to get creative and to try to, uh, you know, be the be the first one to make the wave, you know, or whatever. So right, yeah. Um, this but generation, dude. Gen Z is going to be super interesting. Yeah, yeah. don't yeah. know what what color their hair is going to be one day from the next, <laughs> and then boom, they mar- they're a YouTube star. That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. Who knows? Well, man, I appreciate your thoughts about um, you know all of this, but uh, also the thoughts about what matters, man. That that struck a chord for sure. I think about that a lot, you know, and what truly matters. And we, you, and I and KC all share a, a very um, I guess fiery passion for what we do, man. And, and just being in the outdoors. And I know like it means so much to me spiritually, um, and, and, uh, among other things, uh, f- that have to do with my health or just my enjoyment and that kind of thing. But like, um, you know, in the end, uh, I think we all kind of have a similar idea about what matters. And I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I appreciate your, uh, your honesty, man. I appreciate your friendship and just your ability to hop on the phone with us anytime and to, to never, uh, pretty much never say no to us, man. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I know I'm hey, really it's just excited. A phone call. This isn't a podcast. This is just a phone call to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's right, man. That's I mean, what's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's been something that since pretty much day one, since I've known you, man, that's been, it's always been that way, man. So I, I do appreciate it, man. And, uh, appreciate your time. Cause I know you're busy and, things have gone well for you the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited to see where it goes next year, man, especially with you changing locations, moving to yeah. the heartland. And, uh, and, uh, anyway, I think, uh, for people who are interested that want to see Chris's stuff, who haven't seen it, been living under a rock, just, uh, <laughs> type in Chris B on, on YouTube. Is there anywhere else we need to send them, man? Uh, yeah. YouTube and Instagram is pretty much where I, uh, post most of my stuff. Yep. Cool, man. We will uh, link to all that in the notes, along with some of the links to some of the gear that Chris uses when he's self-filming, if you're interested in upping yeah. your game. So anyway, we appreciate, appreciate it, man. guys. Yeah, we'll be talking to you. Chris does a great job with that, man. And consequentially, his YouTube is a very cool place to be. Ours is too. You should go check it out if you're from uh, Chris's audience or if you're just here as a new person. Check it out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'd really appreciate that. Subscribe here as well on the podcast. Um, KC, we got to uh, try out a new saddle today. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. Yeah? There were some things about it that was a little bit different, that were a little bit different. I'm starting to talk like an East Texaner for sure, because <laughs> it's getting late. But... Uh, Overall, we tried the Cruiser XC out today, mm-hmm. I think, which sounds more like a like a, a remote control car to mm-hmm. me than it does anything else. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's cool. It's got a lot of lot of room. Uh, yep. Kind of pretty intuitive for a guy who's trying to you know hang and hunt. So built like a hammock. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, banana hammock. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, the. Uh, we looked at it compared to the tethered, which is what we use all year, you know, and it's definitely uh, quite a bit bigger. And we were talking just a second ago, kind of off air, about some people that have shocked us that were not as big as they <laughs> we thought they that's were. Right. I person. think that's the real reason why they uh, turned ATA digital this year. People yeah. just got embarrassed about being smaller in person yeah. than what they are. All these, uh, all these, you know, famous hunters um, wanted people to not know how 
they make deer look big, and that's yeah. because what's they're the, tiny. What's the hashtag y'all were coming up with? Like, big dudes kill big deer, and it makes them look smaller yeah. or something like that? Big, big I'm the smallest guy small. that we run around with. Well, no, not now, but... HGH. HGH and Chris are both, uh, you know... Different. Uh, Chris is like six foot. He's just built like a... He's like an ass framed, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Eric's about my size. Um, but, uh, you know, you got the, the uh, BAM... Bams of the world that are six four, and yeah, then John specimen. McWilliams six six. Yeah. You know, like all these huge people. Sean O'Brien, O'Brien, Obezy. He's like what six two? Yeah, like eight of like six one. You know, like big dudes, man. Yeah, and you know, you kill one sixties whenever you're that big. They just don't look as big. Well, that's the thing, man. It's like there's people making that have made brands killing one thirty inch, one hundred thirty inch deer, one hundred thirty inch deer, and it's like that's great deer. Don't get me wrong. Oh. I'm going to shoot I'm all hopefully a couple I this shot, year. I shot a few under 130 <laughs> this year, okay, and I loved it. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying, you know, they, uh, they're they making them deer look about 160 because they got uh, they got a not a whole lot of lead in their britches. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris isn't super tall. He's probably like 5'9", something like that. Chris Webb? Chris B. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so too many Chris's, I saw, I think it was on that Big Buck video he was talking about, he's like, I've got big hands. You know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> we didn't, you know, we weren't oh. questioning your masculinity, Chris. It's okay. You know, dude, he's been growing a beard since he's 12, so. Dude, me too, Chris. If you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, Chris, me and you in the boat. Both in the same boat about beards, man. <laughs> we got dark hair. We can't grow a beard. Isn't that just weird? Yeah, that's what know. happens. It's uh, I guess I think it's Indian blood. So it, it is. Yep. Yeah. Which I, by the way, since you can be, I was thinking about this in the shower the other day. Since you can be whatever you want these days, mm-hmm. could I not just be a like? Can I not just sign my kids up to be American Indians and get college free and stuff like that? Elizabeth Warren did it. Is that what she did? Yeah, pretty much. Not herself, you know. Oh, she did it herself. Yeah, she yeah. she always claimed the native heritage, and then ends up somebody did the, the her genetics, and she's one one thousand and twenty fourth Native oh. American. You know what? She looks like it. <laughs> she's she's about as wide as they come. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. dude, you weren't fooling nobody. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, you're fooling some people because people are very foolable right now, mm. but. Uh, this isn't a political podcast, <laughs> so we won't go into a, an elaboration of what that means. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about. You know, you can, uh, I mean, soon enough, we want to marry an oak tree. I'm going to probably just, uh, you know, re-identify as a Iowa resident. I think. I be think that's a I great idea. Do. I'm I'm probably going to re-identify as a uh, popular hunter. I think is what I'm going to do. Are you? I think I'm going to yeah. do that. Yeah. Be a punter. <laughs> i should have been man yeah i should have been a deep snapper which i was like third team deep snapper in college yeah um but daggummit dude some of them deep snappers just be making money to go out there about four plays a game Mm, but it's a high pressure situation (laughs) because at least when you're a kicker everybody wants to give you a high five and you do a good job but Mm -hmm. deep snappers are the ones giving the high fives yeah when the deep snapper does a good job they go oh you exist? No, you don't. No, Sorry. They don't. Yeah. They just go, oh, uh, the play happened, whatever mm-hmm. it was supposed to do. Yeah. It's like it's like 
do people really say, uh, oh, that center snapped it so well? That's right. And like, oh, he put it right in the quarterback's hands. Yep. Anyways, guys, we've got a uh, new YouTube video out, of course. We try to get like two or three out this week. There is a uh, <laughs> new tube. New Sorry, tube. I'm just yeah. Gonna, uh, since you got me. This one was, uh, what, an unboxing of the cruiser saddle. It's pretty sweet. Tyler yeah. did a good job on it. Thanks, and, man. uh, um, I've only watched the first part of it, so maybe you didn't. But the, <laughs> the didn't, first part was cool. Um, I complained all day about how terribly I did. Actually, <laughs> no, it was awesome. So go check that out. Uh, <laughs> if you are naked right now and you need clothing, <laughs> you should go check out the Element Shop on at theelementwild.com and buy some clothes. We have a new Element T-shirt out. It's kind of like a periodic table theme thing, you know, because. We're the element, you know, the yeah. elements, that kind of thing. Right. If you didn't get it. Um, we're living in a real Yeah, we're living in it. So uh, go check that out. It's in everybody's favorite colors, mm-hmm. which are olive and tan. That's mm-hmm. what the world revolves around, olive and tan shirts these days. So go. Is OD um, olive drab or original drab or the original, um, what is it? Uh, that's a good, I thought I knew what that was, but I'm blanking right now. Olive drab green, original, original dark green. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we've got OD yeah. green. OD green, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'd really appreciate that. Out, that it helps out a ton, um, and uh, we will get that shipped out to you ASAP. So, mm-hmm. um, anyways, thank you all for listening. It means a ton as well. If you're new to us, we really appreciate that. Chris is a good, good dude, and we're glad to have him on the podcast. Um, it is shed season. We aren't going to find a lot of sheds, at least until mid-March, because they don't really exist in East Texas unless you're just – you know, one is just gifted to you. Well, but, uh, when green up happens, you know they're not quite moving as much because they got plenty to eat. And yeah, they're hard to find. They are. They're so uh, <clears throat> we have about three days a year where deer have shed their antlers before green up. So uh, <laughs> it probably ain't gonna happen. But we have got some stuff in the works. We got a lot of turkey hunting coming up. So uh, pretty excited about it. Hope y'all are excited <clears throat> about the spring as well. It's gonna be a bad the bone year, y'all. Here in Texas, we just lifted the mask ban. So I don't know what that means for you, but I'm pretty excited. Because uh, I don't really see people anyway, so I'm tired of wearing that mask. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyways, I hope you're stoked to get out and chase some sheds. If you find some really good barns, sheds, mm-hmm. lean-tos, anything, post them on Facebook. We'd love to see them. Tag us in it. Uh, and remember, this is your element. Live in it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.